Um, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Um, my name is uh, Brother Shaquille Khan. I am clinically, um, currently a clinical youth worker um, and a college instructor um, teaching the social services and mental health program. Um, I specialize with both youth and addictions um, and uh, recovery and addictions in general. Um, I've currently been a teacher for the past uh, almost three years, alhamdulillah, and I've been working with MCC for a little over a year now, I believe. Um, and the work that MCC has done is to uh, promote um, mental health services amongst the Islamic community, and not just the Islamic community, but also the, the, uh, the Indian, Pakistani, Arab community, the Somalian community, and just making mental health services readily available for everyone. Um, these topics of mental health and addictions is not spoken about within these communities. So what we're trying to do is bring these communities in and bring these topics and bring these um, issues to light so that we can have a healthy discussion about this. And by having a healthy discussion, we can better than support our brothers and sisters going through such a tyrannical moment or a very upsetting or unsettling moment in their life. So Alhamdulillah, we've been doing this for a little bit now um, and we've been doing great work and inshallah, um, we um, keep on helping our communities and all communities around, uh, in the lower mainland. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, inshallah. Um, so first and foremost, I bear witness that there's no um, God but Allah and that um, the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, is his final messenger. Um, and may we live in his sunnah and his lifestyle um, until the end of time and may we understand and implement his lifestyle um, until the end of time. I mean, so um, today's topic of discussion is Islamophobia and um, Islamophobia and conquering Islamophobia with a strong identity. So um, what is uh, Islamophobia? Um, Islamophobia is a dislike or prejudice against Islam or Muslims, especially as a political force. Um, unfortunately, as we see what's happening in France, what's happening in America, uh, what's even happening in China, um, that Muslims are the target. Uh, Muslims are the, uh, I guess in um, you know, layman's terms, they say public enemy number one. Um, well, we have, if you, uh, in some places in the world, if you are to wear a hijab, um, you can be um, criminalized. Um, if you are to practice your Islamic faith openly, um, you can be criminalized. If you are practicing the Islamic faith in general, you will be taken from your home and stripped from your religious identity, what's currently happening in China. And nevertheless, when we look at America, uh, when we look at just, I guess, North America in general, um, we also see that people are um, prejudiced towards Muslims. If I were to um, practice my Islamic faith, people would um, treat me differently. Uh, people would question me and be very um, disrespectful or rude about it. Um, so what's happening um, with a lot of people that I'm, I'm working with, a lot of brothers and sisters, uh, they come up to me and say, Brother Shaquille, um, I'm afraid of going outside because I don't want to be a victim of a hate crime. Um, I'm afraid of going outside or going to work because my work is, you know, telling me that I'm not allowed to pray at work or I'm being, um, you know, looked at differently because um, I'm, I guess you can say I'm practicing the faith. 
And what happens here is that when Muslims or individuals in general are being uh, are being are being attacked in general, what happens is that they become into a dilemma of should I let go of this lifestyle and should I just conform to everyone else and just not talk about Islam or not talk about this lifestyle that I'm living. And in my opinion, this is a very um, detrimental thing. Um, with Muslim youth today in high schools, this is exactly what's happening. With Muslim youth today, they don't want to identify as Muslims because simply they are afraid. I'm not going to say all Muslim youth, but the Muslim youth that I've dealt with and what my work has been dealing with is that they don't want to identify as Muslims because what does it mean to be a Muslim? And unfortunately, in today's society, movies, media, and news outlets are depicting Muslims as aggressive, savages, irrational, and extremists. So when you have a multi-billion dollar industry promoting a fraction of people as irrational and aggressive, disrespectful, what happens is, is that that internalizes in the greater of society. And because, so now when I say I'm a Muslim, what the person is hearing is you're a terrorist, you're an extremist, you're an oppressor, or you're oppressed. And then they treat us according to this misconception that the media and news outlets have promoted. And this is a big issue with youth today. So youth today are coming from this Islamic household, this Islamic culture, um, but then they go into schools where it's predominantly um, a Western culture, and now they're dealing with, should I be a Muslim today? Should I explain, should I, or, do I, or should I just push my Islamic identity aside and just be Canadian or, for, or whatever that means. And they're being pulled and pushed and pulled and pushed. And we call these youth bicultural youth, youth who have two cultures. And in my opinion, these are beautiful youth. These are beautiful aspects to have. But unfortunately, these younger children are being, st are, are stuck in a dilemma, a a, um, a identity, identity, sorry, dilemma. Um, or what happened was um, one of my youth came up to me and said, I don't want to be a Muslim no more. Because every time that I say I'm a Muslim or every time that I put on a hijab, people constantly make fun of me. And I don't blame the Muslim sisters or the Muslim brothers who don't want to keep their beards longer because of the constant harassment. I don't blame you. What I'm trying to say here is that if there's ever a time where you are feeling ridiculed or you are being harassed for the lifestyle that you're living, myself and the, and the individuals at Muslim Care Center are here to support you because your, your identity, your Islamic identity is something that should be shined, something that is beautiful and something to be proud of. <coughs> A famous psychologist, um, personally one of my favorites, um, Eric Erickson, um, 
has um, this theory called the eight stages of childhood development. And in one of, I'm not going to go through all eight stages because I can go, I can talk and talk and talk. You can ask my students, I can talk their ears off about this stage, uh, about his, uh, his theory. Um, but Alhamdulillah, he talks about this theory um, and within these eight stages of development, I believe it's the sixth stage or maybe even the fifth stage, if I'm correct. Um, he talks about identity and role confusion. And in this stage, um, it happens to youth between the ages of, I believe, 12 to 18 years old. So their teenage years, adolescence years, um, or the, yeah, just teenage years in general. And he talks about identity and role confusion. So what happens here is do, um, when a child is being harassed, when a child is not being able to be autonomous or be proud of their, I, um, of who they are, what happens is, and in high school too, this happens a lot, is that they're confused as to who they are, right? And with Islamophobia today, kids are confused as to, do I want to be a Muslim today? Um, do I even want to be a Muslim in general? Right. And according to Eric Erickson is that this is the dilemma that they're faced with every single day. And this is actually due to bullying, bullying the media and how, and how it promotes um, this hatred towards Muslims on a macro level, on a bigger level. And what happens is because there's so much hate towards Islam, Muslims, young Muslims at the age of 13 and onwards are ashamed of being Muslim or ashamed of coming out and saying I'm Muslim. And to be honest, it's a very, being a Muslim myself, it's a very sad thing because this religion is beautiful. This, this lifestyle, alhamdulillah, is beautiful. <coughs> Excuse me. It's a beautiful lifestyle. Um, but unfortunately, it's because of the negligence, the hate, and the fear um, of other people is that younger children are not wanting to identify with this, and they're ready and willing to, sacrif uh, to sorry, um, sacrifice this identity to fit in. Key word, to fit in. So here we talk about why it is important to have a sense or a strong sense of identity, especially in a time like this. People think that, and it's such a misconception, and I, I myself, I don't do this with uh, people, and I hope that if you are someone that does this, please really, really don't do this. Um, when tribulation comes our way, especially in our Islamic identity, where we are getting bullied, a lot of our respected elders are saying things like, well, brother or sister, um, you just need to pray. Or you just need to make more tasbih or make more dhikr of Allah and remember Allah and all your problems are going to go away. And everything that that person said is not going to bother you because you are going to... you. Praying will just take it all away. And I'm not going to necessarily disagree with this because Alhamdulillah, in Salah, we find, uh, we find tranquility. In Salah and in the remembrance of God, we find a sense of peace. So I'm not going to say that this is a bad way or an improper way. But 
this should not be the end all be all way of how uh, or of how to deal with young people um, when it comes to bullying or Islamophobia. We as individuals, we as parents, whenever we hear that our children are going through, I don't know, bullying or if they're feeling lonely or they're feeling uh, sad, we need to, as parents and as individuals and respected elders, we need to sit and talk with these individuals. Speaking youth, we need to sit and address these topics, you know, because what's happening now is when you are not parents, when you, not all parents at least, when you are not addressing these topics and you are just giving a blanket statement and expecting the child to take care of themselves, they are going to be confused and they will not know what to do. We as individuals need to be role models for our youth, especially in a time of hatred, especially in a time where young girls are being murdered because they say we as respected elders need to sit and have this conversation that what you believe in and this la ilaha illallah that you believe in people are not gonna like this but i will be here when they pick on you or if they pick on you I will be those ears to lend them when you need someone to listen to you. I will be these arms when you want to cry with, if you need to cry. But what happens is, is that parents, they just say things like, just pray and it'll all go away. And a, a fraction of that, alhamdulillah, is true, but there's more to it than just that. We need to have these conversations. And alhamdulillah, this is why we have MCC, is to make these conversations normal, to make them safe. So people who are going through this situation can say, yes, I'm going through this, and yes, I need help. I need someone to support me. This aggression that these amazing young males and females are going through, we need to support them. And we need to help them establish a strong sense of identity so that they can build, and here's the key word here, resiliency. Because when a calamity hits again, they know that, okay, you know what? People are going to be hateful. You know what? The media is going to do what it is. But alhamdulillah, I have a safe place to go to. Alhamdulillah, I can go to my parents or I can go to my friends or I can go to my siblings or I can go to my counselor and they will help me and they will, and they will support me. when youth are feeling judged or attacked, they feel alone, you know? Um, they feel as if they are, it's like the end of the world for them. So I know I've said this again, but we need to create this environment that supports these beautiful young um, individuals because I, I will tell you this right now, they are the generation of tomorrow. They are our they are the, these, these beautiful children that we neglect and we just say, get over it. These are the children that are going to run our lives tomorrow. These are, and we want to empower them. 
And when I hear, when, and when I say this, I can't help but think about the beloved messenger, uh, Muhammad uh, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And I can't think about his lifestyle and what he went through alayhi salatu wasalam. And who he had when he was going through a tough time. When we think of the Prophet, peace be upon him, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, we look at when the message or we look at when Islam, Islam sorry, was first discovered when the Prophet, peace be upon him, was in the cave and he was met by uh, the angel Gabriel or Jibreel. And he was asked the beloved messenger to read. And the Prophet said, I can't read. So the angel squeezed him so tight that he felt like he was going to die. And then the angel said, read. And he said, ikra, read. And the, and the Prophet said, I can't read. I, I don't know how to read. And the angel squeezed him again. And he said, as like he felt like he was going to die. And then did this a few more times. And then the angel said, read into the name of your Lord. You know, he said that everything that you were searching for this message, here I am today. And this is a message, everything you've been looking for. And the prophet, when the, when the hadith was being narrated or when the story was being narrated, he emphasized how, how afraid he felt and how scared he felt to such a point where when he went home to his wife, Khatija, he said, wrap me up and cover me up. I'm afraid, cover me up so they don't find me. And then he said to his beloved wife, is God displeased with me? Is, am I a bad person? And this is the part of the hadith where I want to pause and I really need everyone to understand this. Because when we read these books of Sirah, we, we tend to go Oh, we tend to overlap this, but there's so much, <coughs> excuse me, there's so much wisdom that comes from this beloved hadith. And it came from the beloved wife of the messenger. When the prophet was going through a very tough time, a time of fear, a time of being left alone and being felt like he was being attacked or he felt displeased or he felt upset, he went to his loved one and he said, is Allah displeased with me? And she said, God will never be displeased with you because you take care of the poor. You take care of those who need you. You are so honest and truthful. And if anyone ever needs help, they know that they can go to you, Muhammad ibn Abdullah, and they can trust you and, and you can support them. God would never be displeased with you. To such a point when after she passed away, he said that when everyone was against me, she stood with me. She was beside me. He loved her so much so. And I want to use this hadith and I want to translate it to how we can do this for our youth today. Young children are being ridiculed every single day, being made fun of for wearing that headscarf, 
being made fun of because they have a beard, being made fun of because they fast 30 days in the year, being made fun of because they don't celebrate Christmas or they don't celebrate Easter or, or Hanukkah or Valentine's Day. And then these kids are feeling in a state of, why am I even a Muslim? And when, what happens is, when they come to you, we need to emulate the lifestyle of our beloved Khatija and Umar. And we need to say this to our children. That it doesn't matter what the world says. You're an amazing person. It's okay, my love, if you wear a hijab. You know, my John, if you have a beard, it's okay. You know, I love you. We need to create this, this environment that when the world is tough, they can come, this, these youth can come back to us. And not just youth, but adults as well, because adults also go through this as well. But they can come back and they can go to their support systems and say, I'm having a bad day today. Can you talk with me? I'm having a bad today, day today because someone at school said this about my religion or someone said this about how I look. We need to instill love and we need to instill hope and we need to instill security amongst our children and amongst our loved ones so that any time that a calamity hits, they can always come back to us. This is the sunnah. This is what the prophet did to his companions and he, had, and he learned this from his beloved wife. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah be pleased with him and his message and his lifestyle because honestly, he's an amazing individual. Alayhi salatu wa salam. And just disregarding children um, and telling them to get over it, especially in this time of day and in this society, it's, it's not, it's not going to work. When we instill love and we instill security in our children it's it's like planting a seed in the ground if you plant a seed in the ground in hopes that one day a tree will submerge from this and you're not watering it you're not doing anything our children every time that we show them love and affection we are watering that seed. When we sit and talk with them, when we put work aside and we put quarrels aside, we're giving them our attention. We're watering that seed. And when you water that seed enough, as a gardener, when you water that seed enough and you make sure that tree is growing, that tree will be so fruitful that on the day of judgment, that same tree will be your shade. We must not overlook that seed and that seed is your child and now how can we better help now now on an individual level the best way to help these uh, these young children and young adults that are suffering from islamophobia um, is to build a, st a strong environment within the household that's one that's on an individual uh, um, um, uh, aspect and this is something that we should be doing regardless, unconditionally. Love, love unconditionally. Okay? But now, 
another thing, and I want to talk about how we could better support our communities. Okay? Because on an individual level, alhamdulillah, we have our friends, families, mom and dad, brothers and sisters and our cousins. And that's on an individual level and that's how we can better help them. But now we need to talk about the Islamic communities and how they can better help these youth. Sorry, uh, these youth. One thing that I've been noticing, um, you know, the great things about social media is that we can get um, you know, I can look up anything I want and get the information if needed, watch any videos if needed, um, and if, see what's happening in like, I don't know, Santorini, Greece, and I can just type it in my phone and see it, alhamdulillah. right? Social media has allowed me to explore the world um, and it's, or, or talk to my fans and friends all over the world um, free of cost, right? Um, um, but one thing that I've been noticing is that a lot of younger kids are going on um, social media outlets and you know and that's just how it is that's just the culture that kids are going growing up in today and there's nothing wrong with that alhamdulillah um but what's happening is is that through social media outlets um muslim muslims sorry are spiritually abusing either practicing muslims or non-practicing muslims by saying things like you by saying things like you need to go on this get on the sunnah the lifestyle that you're living is haram sister you're going to burn in hell if you keep on doing this and what happens is is that these kids want nothing to do with the religion because people within the religion are constantly pushing them away constantly judging them we as a community need to stop spiritually abusing young individuals or individuals in general because those people are not living according to the sunnah there's a way to address someone and then there's a way not to to publicly shame someone for not wearing a hijab is not the Islamic tradition, nor is it the method of our beloved messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What happens is that when we are constantly judging the, uh, these individuals who are trying their best to be Muslim, and trying their best to live in a society that is only against them, the Muslim community is also spiritually abusing them and saying that you're not girl you aren't going to make it a jannah if you're looking like that how are you going to preach this religion when your beard's not long enough and do we understand what torment that does to the child or that does to the individual what if this person that was desperately trying to learn this religion, here's a hate comment like that from another so-called Muslim and that person takes their life away or that person leaves a religion or that person wants nothing to do with Islam because you decided to be self-righteous. You need to think about this because it is, it is these so-called individuals that are destroying the Islamic community, because being a Muslim, you need to 
you, we must have our own safe environment. But unfortunately, in the so-called safe environment, we find the most judgmental people. And then we wonder, well, why did so-and-so leave the religion? Oh, I can't believe that so-and-so left this, or I can't believe so-and-so is living this certain kind of lifestyle. But just you know, three months ago, you said you're going to go to Jahannam. They, always, they have a, a very interesting saying that everyone always says, is that when you point a finger, three are pointing right back at you. It is so important not to judge these communities. It is so important not to judge these individuals. A hadith that I really love, and the story of the Prophet that I really love um, to talk about is the African lady that was cleaning the mosque. And according to the hadith, <clears throat> you know, she wasn't, you know, she, there was times where she, you know, wasn't dressed appropriately, um, cleaning and all that kind of stuff. And um, what happened was uh, she passed away. She passed away and the Prophet then went to the masjid one day and said to his sahabas, hey, where's that lady that cleans the masjid? And, he, and the sahaba said, oh, ya Rasulullah, she passed away, so we did her janazah. And the Prophet was so upset, alayhi salatu wasalam, to such a point where he went to her grave and he said, show me where her grave is. And he prayed another janazah on her. You know, it's interesting because when people are not living their lives according to the sunnah, we, we break them, thinking that we're doing them a favor. But what's happening is that you're only harming yourself and you're harming the people around you. This, not everyone's going to be a perfect Muslim, myself included. Not everyone's going to be a Khadija or an Abu Bakr and whomsoever. We're not, you know, we're not perfect. But in a time of hate, we as a community need to join our forces, join together, and support one another. If I'm falling, catch me. I always tell my students, I hate the saying, I never like the saying, united we stand, divided we fall. Instead, I changed it and I say, united we stand and united we fall. Because a Muslim Ummah is not, it's, it's one body. And if you're falling, I would exp and if you're having a bad day, if you're going through a mental health issue, or if you're going, if you're someone who is addicted to any form of whatever it is, I would expect my community to take care of me. The question I ask every Muslim person and every other non-Muslim person who's watching this, how are you benefiting your community? Are you that person who is on the keyboard and giving, you know, like, you know, promoting da'wah through hate? Are you that person who publicly shames people because their hijab is not tight enough? Are you, are you that person who is just, uh, um, who is 
starting all this fitna because of your Islamic agenda. MCC has created this, this environment, a non-judgmental environment, because a lot of youth and a lot of individuals hate being judged. They hate to hear that they're doing something wrong. Myself included, I don't like it either. It's not fun. We, as a, uh, as a community, need to do better. We, as a community, need to build a strong circle amongst our brothers and sisters. And we must stand united in a time where the media, the world, individuals may think of us differently. Greg Pinky, uh, Pink, um, Pinkney uh, once said, it takes a village to raise a child. But when you don't recognize that village, or when that child does not recognize that village, Sometimes that village can kill a child. And if they don't feel a part of that village, the child will burn it down to feel its warmth. If they don't feel a part of that village, the child will burn it down to feel its warmth. We, the Muslim community, we Muslims need to build communities where the children feel warm, where individuals feel warm and they feel safe and respected and loved and not judged. We're not perfect. And the best way to combat Islamophobia is if the community is strong. We need to stop picking on one another. We need to stop telling ourselves that we are better, I'm better than you, you're better. We need to stop it. We need to join. We need to rejoice. We need to stay strong and be there for one another and promote this form of unconditional love. Because the Prophet ﷺ did this. Before Islam came, the Sahabas weren't perfect people. And during the message of the era, of the, the greatest Islamic era ever, even the Sahabas would still fall into sin. But did you ever hear our beloved messenger say, well, you're going to go to Jahannam for that. Well, you're going to go to hell now. Sorry, bye. No. He sat down with his beloved, his beloved, his beloved uh, companions and he taught them. He used love and affection. We know about the story of the Muslim man, of the man, sorry, who peed in the masjid. Did the Prophet just put him into like a headlock and give him a noogie? No, absolutely not. He actually told the companions, go clean up what he did. And he told the man that peed, this is a masjid. This is a place of worship. And the man actually then converted into Islam. We need to stop with the hate and we need to promote acceptance and love and affection.
that is the best way to combat Islamophobia. Because in an environment that promotes love, affection is an environment that will build a strong identity. When you water the seed and you nurture the seed, the seed will grow into this beautiful tree that will be fruitful. We need to nourish the seed. With that being said, I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives strength to the individuals and youth who are dealing with this identity crisis. And I pray that the communities that are judging these individuals, that they find a sense of guidance and a sense of tranquility where they don't need to do this no more. And any youth that are going through such a tough time, just know that I'm available. Um, my team and the team that I'm a part of is available because in a time of hate, we need to join together. For the Muslims in China and the Muslims in, in America and the Muslims all over the world who are struggling with Islamophobia, may Allah make it easy for you. And may the work that myself and MCC is doing is um, helping the cause and bettering the cause. Um, if I said anything that was disrespectful, or if I said anything incorrect, um, or if I said anything that was offensive, just know that, that those were my shortcomings and I'm simply just a human. If I said something that was motivating and empowering, just know that all good comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everyone, thank you so much um, for taking the time out to watch this video. Thank you so much um, for you know, spending time with me, I guess you can say. Um, with that being said, everyone, um, assalamu alaikum uh, wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Um, and inshallah, we can do better. Uh, salam.